Amen. Go ahead and take your chairs. So we talked about last week and give like a brief overview. What is what is wealth or, or your money, finances? And we really looked at the, it's more about, and we're talking about a proper attitude toward your wealth. So, and how is God's will expressed in the area of your finances? Is it important? See, we know this. I don't care how much you have. You can have a lot. You take nothing with you. Can we all agree with that? We leave everything behind. The only people that are happy that you die is the, those you give all your stuff to. If you don't think so, I can take pictures of people who were jumping for joy when Uncle Rich and Uncle died or Rich Grandpa died. They were happy as a lark. Ain't that a bummer? We went to a place, I, was, I thought about it the other day. It was here in town. It's over in Village 7, right over here. And um, we used to live over in Serendipity. And you, you drive by and you see this sign, estate sale. You ever see those? Estate sale. And I never went to an estate sale. I didn't know what it was. I go, what's this estate sale? So I pulled over and I seen all these cars parked up in there. And we, me and my wife, we walked in there. And there was a, it walked in, we walked into somebody's house that had just died. And I was figuring this out as, as I got there. So we're walking and people are walking everywhere in the house. And they're literally snatching pictures off walls claiming beds in, in living rooms, opening the refrigerator. I mean, there was nothing off limits, and they were, they were buying them. And then I seen some pictures of the family. It was an old lady. looked like she was been uh, widowed. She was there, and I seen her picture of the family, and everybody's walking by, and I looked at that lady. I felt so bad, right? Because not even the family members were there. Everybody was scavenging through everything this woman loved. I left there kind of bum kicked. I go, man, bum kick. I, I was thinking, well, I ain't leaving nothing. Nobody. I'm gonna spend it all. I'm gonna give it away. I ain't leaving nobody anything. I'm like, you know how you get like that? Shoot. I was like, wow, that's a trip. And it was a picture of how people view things. Things oftentimes are more important than the very people you claim to love. Things. So, and we're talking about attitude. We determine, we can determine what our wealth can create. See, wealth can be used wisely. Wealth can be wasted. Wealth can be corrupted. It can corrupt you. And for Christians, wealth is what God entrusts to each of us. So it's not just money. It's way beyond money. It's everything you possess. Everything you are is a part of your wealth. Worldly folklore surrounding wealth. Because, you know, people, the world has its wisdom. And really the wisdom of the world is foolishness to God, the Bible says. People think, that, well, it takes a break to get ahead. No, it doesn't take a break to get ahead. Or it takes money to make money. No, it doesn't take money to make money. Or you can't be too honest to get ahead. And all these things are people people talk about. No, no, no. The creation of wealth is a gift and a talent from God. You, you, the people who know how to make money, they think they're smart. No, no, no. You don't understand. If you know how to make money and you're gifted in that area, it's not because of anything you did. For whatever reason, God gives gifts to people. That's why one can be a musician. One can be a cook. And another 
somehow knows how to run a business and makes money and gets jobs. You ever see that? Like, how do they do that? It's a gift. It's not none of, they think it's them. They're fooling themselves. I'm here to let you know. It's not you. It's a gift. So, the creation of wealth, again, is a gift and a talent. In God's plan, since gifts are shed abroad, in God's plan, it's attitude about that gift, your gift, not aptitude that he honors. What's your attitude towards it? The gaining wealth, the end in of itself, the gaining of wealth. If that's all you, you know, you, the, the one with the most toys when he dies wins. If that's your life, that, that's a poor investment of a life. Worldly, self-centered wealth, all it brings is unfulfillment. Well, God's prosperity brings blessing. Proverbs 10, 22 is clear. It says, the blessing of the Lord makes a person rich, and God adds no sorrow with it. So when you have God's blessing and you are wealthy, there's no sorrow. You can tell if you have things and all you care about things and you want more things, that is not God's blessing. That's you doing it yourself. Now, hopefully it's you doing it yourself. In some respects, it may be the devil giving it to you. So what is the correct attitude about wealth? When you have wealth, the, the, the right way to think about it is you need to seek God's purpose for what is supplied to you. God, why are you giving this to me? Not, how can I have more fun? How can I buy more things? See, that's the wrong attitude. And if that's how you're thinking, believe me, you might have fun for a weekend, but when the car breaks down, ain't no fun. Right? When you start losing the things that you like, ain't no sunshine when they're gone. Right? That's what happens. So you have the wrong, the wrong attitude. See, the correct attitude is to trust God in every circumstance. And when we have committed all resources to him, it is possible to have perfect peace in your finances. Let me say that again. When you have committed everything you are to him, it is possible to have perfect peace. Because some people want peace. Don't, you know, sometimes just give me peace, give me rest. Yeah, and people say, well, I'm going to go on vacation because I need a rest. That is like a bit, the biggest fallacy in the planet. Because every time you go on a vacation, when you come back, you're more tired than when you, before you left. Yeah. Yeah. You know that. And you come back and go, oh, man, now I need a rest. Huh? Vacations don't give you rest. Oftentimes, it gives you heartache. Why? Because it never goes out the way you plan. It costs so much money. Your kids don't appreciate. Your dog bit you. Somebody robbed you when you are gone. And you went on vacation. You come back like, what happened? So when God gives you... Then you come back and your finances give you perfect peace. Ah. See, money, and I'll say this, it's very important. Money is the training ground for God to develop your trustworthiness. See, because it's clear in Luke 16, it says, if he can't trust you with ungodly riches, how can he trust you with God's true riches? Right? I use that analogy of, of giving your kids the key to your car. Anybody have a kid? Can they drive yet? Right? But let's assume they get their, their first driver's license. And they say, Dad, Ma, can I borrow your car? What are you going to tell them? No. Heck no. Not just no. Are you tripping? 
Uh, are you smoking dope? I know you're high now. Right? Why? Because <laughs> you're not going to go, oh, wait, you got to, you got to, I got to trust you, man. You think I'm going to trust you with my car? The car that I go to work and pay the bill and pay the insurance and, and, and the car that I, you think I'm going to trust you with my car? Is there a heck no? Now, how do you think God feels about you and his anointing? You think I'm gonna you think he's gonna trust you with his car if you can't handle the wealth of this world? Why would he give you the wealth of heaven when you don't tithe faithfully, you don't give, you're you're but a, you're you're tight, you what, what do you say? You're gordo. Tight as the elbow. Huh? And then you go, God bless me. If I were God, I'd be going, shut up. <laughs> Just like I would tell my teenager when they want to borrow my car. See, see, there's myths about money. Some people think that money brings happiness. Yeah, right. Huh? So there's no relationship between money and you being happy. 1 Timothy 6.17 reads like this. 1 Timothy 6.17. Teach those who are rich in the world not to be proud and not to trust their money which is so unreliable. See, that's what I'm doing now. I'm trying to teach those who are rich. Is anybody rich in their house? Raise your hand. No, wait a minute. I asked a question. Is anybody? I'm going to let you know something. Every one of you are rich. Every one of you. And I'll show you later, but you guys think you're like, somebody said, not me, I'm poor. I'm so poor, I can't afford the OR. I'm poor. <laughs> you ain't poor. Mm-mm. See, worldly wealth comes drenched in anxiety. Anxiety over what you're going to do with your money, how they're going to leave it to their kids. Will their children handle the money or will the money handle my children? Because you're always thinking about these things. And listen, I'm going to let you in on something. The answer, for the most part, if your child is not following God and rock solid, no. They will not handle your money well. They will party. They will get high. They might get pregnant out of wedlock because you gave them a lot of money. Yeah, thank you. They're out there partying hardy. Why? Because you left them too much cash that they can't handle. So there's your answer. See, to be wealthy, another myth though. So money doesn't give you happiness. To be wealthy is not a sin. That's what we, we talked about that last week. See, Having money is not bad. In, in fact, it's a good thing, right? I tell, I tell people this. I, I, I've learned, I've served God with no money. And I've served God with money. Let me let you know something. It's a lot better to serve him with money. Amen? Some of you are like, oh, no, come on now. See, having money is not the sin. The, the, that's not the problem. The problem is not the money. The problem is you. Look to your neighbor and say, is he talking to me? Huh? So when God finds someone with the proper attitude, let me say that again. When God finds someone with the proper attitude, he blesses them with great riches. 
God gave Abraham riches. He was the wealthiest man. The Bible says that he, he had cattle. He had land. He was so wealthy that it got so con- uh, he got so congested with his nephew Lot that he said, Lot, you take your money and the wealth that he, Abraham had given him. You take all that and you go that way. And whichever way you choose, I'll go the other way because we just can't get along. There's too much of us. There's too many of us. We got to move on. And God separated them. Because they were just so wealthy. Why? Because Abraham pleased God. He had the right attitude about God. Now, Lot, on the other hand, didn't. But that's another message. Let me get back here. Uh, Psalms 8.6 reads like this. You make him rule over the, over the works of your hands. This, God's, this is God's stewardship to us over everything on earth. I said again. God makes you to rule over the works of his hands. This is God's stewardship to us over everything on earth. In other words, God has the earth, and he's looking for people he can trust, he can give the keys to, so that they could rule. That's what he's looking for. That's his plan. That's a part of his plan. The, the key to this is you must not put money before God. Don't do it. The third thing we need to talk about is money is the root of all evil. That's a myth. Money is not the root of all evil. If money was a root, then why would he give so much to Abraham? Why would God make Solomon, Solomon the richest man to ever walk on earth? Solomon. And that guy was all messed up, but he had a gift. But God gave it to him. Why? Because money is not the issue. What we are talking about really is an issue of the heart. 1 Timothy 6.10 says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. The what? The love. So how do you feel about your money? Now, in a setting like this, everybody's going to say, Oh, no, I don't love money. Oh, not me. I don't love money. Pastor, I don't love money. I love God. And that same person has never tithed has never given and is a liar. You have a hardcore love affair with some dead presidents. You be making out. You and Ben Franklin, come on, baby. Are you there? George Washington, all of those dead presidents, you be, you be loved. Now, now hey, we got to take, not just dead presidents no more. Now we're going to have um, Harriet, what's her name? Tugman, right? She's going to be on there. So be careful who you're kissing. Amen? <laughs> See, it's the love of money. The love of money will, this love of money that I'm talking about, even right now, some of you go, oh, oh, why, why are you talking like pastor? Right now, that love of money will pull you from Jesus. But before it does that, it'll probably get you mad at me because I'm talking like this. Because people don't like, don't, you could talk about anything. Man, you could talk about anything. Talk about people's mama, but don't talk about my money. That's right. People just don't talk about their money. I'm not talking about money. I ain't talking about your money. I'm talking about your heart. Your heart. Luke 18, this is where the, 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 the body of the message is going to be. Well, let's all turn to Luke 18. Let's start in verse 18. Luke 18, 18. very familiar portion of Scripture. We've all read it and probably just went right by, but it, it just... It, it shows something about us and how God, Jesus, is concerned for us enough 
to give us a warning. Verse 18, chapter of Luke 18. You all have it? You on the board behind me? Okay. Once a religious leader asked Jesus this question, good teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. And he asked him a question. He goes, you must not commit adultery. Now, just for the sake of time, that is commandment number seven. The next one, you must not murder. Commandment number six. You must not steal. You must not, oh, what number was that one? I'll give them all notes. That's commandment number eight. You must not testify falsely. Commandment number nine. Honor your father and mother. Commandment number five. The man replied, I have carefully obeyed all these commandments since I was wrong. Now, stop there. Every time I read that, I said, okay, wait a minute. Why would Jesus only give him five commandments and not the other five? Jesus, this, you know, it doesn't happen by accident. Like, oops, I forgot five. I don't think, I think Jesus knew all the Ten Commandments, right? So Jesus knew that this man had a deep-seated issue of the heart. He kept all the external commandments. In other words, those five commandments that he said are commandments that you, that I, that all of us can see. In other words, if Jose said, I kept those five, we would know it because we can see if he honored his mother. We can see if he lied. We, we, we could visually determine if he kept those commandments because they were visible to everybody present. Right? Jesus never mentioned the other five commandments because the other five are those that only God could see if you truly kept them. Only God. That's why he says, why do you call me good? There's only one good. So we have a good God. Say, good God. Good God. And you could tell me everything about that you believe all these things and the commandments, but God knows if you keep five of them, we can figure out if you keep the other five. Let's continue reading. Well, that, that story, uh, those commandments, if, you, if you're interested, if you go to Exodus chapter 20, verse 1 through 5. Now, the commandments that, that he talked about, they're like shortened versions of these commandments in Exodus 20. Basically, I'll read them to you so you, you got them in your head. Commandment one, you shall not, you shall have no other gods before me. Commandment two, you shall not make idols. Commandment three, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Commandment four, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Remember, God, Jesus never mentioned these four, and he never mentioned the last one. Commandment number 10, you shall not covet. See, the commandments that deal with your heart towards God prove who you follow. So we all say, oh, I love God. I follow God. I believe. Whoopity, whoopity, whoop, whoop, whoop. This guy was a very pious man, a religious guy, and he goes up to Jesus. He thought he was bad. He thought he'd be knowing things. He goes, Jesus, because he knew he had it in the bag. He was a good guy. He was a good man. Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he names the five that he did. And he goes, I've kept all those since my youth. Right? So Jesus is cool. He's like, it's, you know what this is like? It's like when, 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 when Pacquiao throws a jab. When you throw a jab, what are you doing? Bam. Bam. It's just it's a setup. 
right? You're setting them up. You're, you're, you're filling them out. You're filling them out. Because Jesus was getting ready to knock a brother out. Last night, we went, went as a fight. The guy got clocked in the jaw, man, right in front of me. So his buddy, this is a side note. The guy was screaming, and we come out running, man. And the guy was beat up on the girl. And so some guy out of the blue came, stood up, and was, I was sort of like in the middle, like, what's going on here, right? And this one guy, brother, said, clock. And, 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 and I mean, the punch was so slow, you could like sat down and drink coffee by the time it arrived. It was so, and I'm looking at it, it was like, and it's like the guy went, <laughs> stuck his chin out, man. I, and I, he goes down, I go, brother, you should have ducked, man. I'm like, Didn't even duck. Anyway, that was, Jesus was getting ready to do a knockout punch, amen? The commandments that deal with your heart towards God prove who you follow. So these, these I call them God relationship commandments, are most affected. Now listen here. These God relationship commandments are most affected by your relationship with your wealth. And God, and Jesus knows that. So Jesus' desire to heal his heart he sees his heart, and he goes, I got to help this guy out. The only way I could help him out is I have to remove the cancer of his soul. And the cancer of his soul, or could I say, this man's God, was what? Luke 22, 18-22 reads like this. When Jesus heard his answer, he said, there is still one thing you haven't done. Now listen to this, one thing. It's amazing to me. We're talking about five commandments. And Jesus says, for those five commandments, all you have to do is one thing. That, that, that's five for the price of one. All you got to do is one thing. One thing. Sell all your possessions and give your money to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. But when the man heard this, he became sad, for he was very rich. Think about that. One thing. Now, be, be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. For most of you, God said most of you, 99% of you, God is not going to ask you to sell everything and follow him. He won't. He's going to ask you to have a heart for it and a willingness, but he probably won't ask you because you're not called. But for some of you, you're going to have to give it all up. Why am I saying that? I had to. To come here, I had to sell it all. Give everything up for the gospel's sake. That's how we do it in Victory Outreach. I don't know how they do it in other places, but you're in Victory Outreach now. And if you say, oh, I'm called, you're called? Wonderful. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Huh? Now, if a person says that to me, then in my mind, now I have to begin discipling him or her with a mindset that one day they're going to have to have a willingness to give it all up. So now my job as, as their pastor is to prepare them for this encounter. Now, the most some of you who are not called a pastor, you're, you're probably saying, whew. Amen? But who knows if you're not called? Not you. You don't know nothing. 
Rich. He walked away because he was rich. Wow. A recent report from the Federal Reserve Funds finds that the current net worth of American households is up to $83 trillion, a record high. So the net worth of all Americans, 83 trillion, never has been, there been so much money in one country as there is today. Now, two-parent family with two children, and you make $30,000 a year, which is not very much in two parents, but it's very feasible and possible, Right? If that's you, you will still be in the richest 16.1% of the world's population. So you have 100%, you're on the top 16%. You will still have more than seven times the average global income of any other family. So when I said, are you rich? Who's rich? If you live in the United States, it's maybe you got it, you're doing a little bit better than thirty thousand. Let's say you have two family houses and you're making sixty thousand, and you have two children. You are in the richest four point five percent of the world's population. You are on the very tippity tippity top. Huh? Your income is more than 19 times the global average. If you tithe, mostly tithe. If you tithe, if you gave, you would tithe 10%, you would still be in the richest 5.5% of the world's population. Is, it, is anybody hearing me? Yeah. Well, you would still be more than 17 times richer than the global average income. Now, why do I say that? Because most people have been convinced that they're not rich, so they can't be rich towards God. I hope I killed that today. Right? Luke 18, 24, we continue the story. Because Jesus cares about your heart, not about your money. Remember, because that attitude, what I just said, that attitude is the attitude that separates you from God. Or you can look like you're a VO church member. You can act like a VO church member. You can say, God bless you, Pastor. Hi, Pastor. World Conference, whoop, whoop, whoop. (laughs) You can do all of that. But God knows where your heart is. Verse 24, we continue the story. It says, when Jesus saw this, he said, How hard is it for the rich to enter in to the kingdom of God? Think about that. So when he's talking about the rich, who is he talking about? It's right home, baby. He's talking to you. He's talking to to, us. He ain't talking to Trump. Trump might be lucky. He might be lucky if he makes it to heaven, but I doubt it. Not the way he's going. And oh, don't judge. I ain't judging. I'm a fruit inspector. Look at the brother. Amen. Uh, it's very easy to determine fruit. So who is he talking to? He's talking to you. In this scripture, he's saying, look, it's a warning. 
it is very hard for the rich to enter heaven. You think you got heaven as a cinch domino because you walked in and said a prayer that you didn't mean? Because if you meant it, this wouldn't bother you. How many of you said that prayer that didn't mean, God, I'll serve you, God, all this, God, all this, and you have to choose between a, a ski jet and tithing. What do you choose, fellas, women? Very simple. And then you say, well, man, how, how come God not bless me? Because really, worthy doesn't mean you're perfect. It means you're worthy. And how are you worthy? God makes you worthy. And how does he make you worthy? Because your simple faith of God, I'm going to trust you with everything. My time, my talent, and my treasure. I'm going to trust you. Jesus asked him to sell what he had and follow him. And he couldn't let it go. See, the five commandments were dealt with with one act. Attitude is always God's concern. If the rich, you know, I am convinced if the rich young ruler said, okay, God, I'll sell it all. I am positive. Jesus says, well, then here, take it back. I need you to handle it because you have the right attitude with it. I am convinced because God never takes anything just to make you beg. He's, he's dealing with your heart. And if he had the right attitude, I am positive. Not only would God have given him back, because the Bible says, to him who has, more shall be given. But it begins with the attitude. What's your attitude? Huh? Now, my job, like I said, if to pass, is to build you to that point where, hey, you have to be willing to do that. He may never ask, but you have to be willing. And how do you begin that? It begins with a simple act, a simple act. And I know this is hard. It's a simple act of Joel getting up, getting a basket, and standing there, and you're putting the money in the basket. You know what, what's hard about that? Because, you know, I've never seen God. Anybody ever seen God? And I don't know how he looks, but I am pretty sure God does not look like Joel. <laughs> I just got a hunch. So I'm saying, as he's standing with the basket, give to God. And, and that's how I said, not give to God. That's Joel. I know him. Phew, I didn't give him nothing. <laughs> so you have to fight through that. Because God doesn't work in those mystical things. He works in very practical areas where he's trying to sever your relationship with money so that you can have a relationship with him. That's his job. Hmm? See, God works through these things. God will use your money to strengthen our trust in him. Hmm? God will use your money to develop our trustworthiness. God will use your treasure to prove your love for him. Oh, but you got to make that move. God will use money to demonstrate his power over this world. See, money is very, very spiritual. It is so spiritual that the Bible declares that if you love it, you have found the root of all evil. Not some evil. If you love it, you have found the root of all evil. That is how spiritual money is. So when God says he can supply things, he can. God delivers but you have to trust him. He don't deliver when you want. He's not McDonald's. He's God. He's not fast food. Oh, no. On the contrary, he takes his time. Why? Because his time is the right time. We're selfish. We want it 
When do we want it? Now. I gotta have it now. I want it now. I gotta have it now. When? Now. Well, come on, Pastor. It says the time is now. <laughs> hmm? We want it now. See, God's power will move through all of us if we allow it, and miracles will happen. So I, I pray all the time, God, I want your power to flow through your people. But how can God's power flow through people who refuse to trust him? And if you trust him, then it would be evident by how you handle everything you have. So when we begin to trust him with those things that we have, our possessions, everything we have, when we begin to trust him with it, you watch God's power will begin to flow through your life. It'll flow, it'll blow your mind. Then truly you will be able to hey, hey, lay your hands on the, on the sick and they will recover. Truly you'll be able to speak things as though they are, though they're not. And they will come into existence. Why? Because God can trust you with his power because you've, you've proved yourself worthy. You've been tested in there. You've been stretched with offerings and giving and, and pledges. And you found yourself faithful. God said, look, I can trust him with that stuff which is ungodly. And, and that love of that is the root of all evil. Now watch me flow through them. See, people want God to flow through them with none of that. Well, just flow through me, God. You know I love you. You know I love you. Come on, God. Oh, God, hear my prayer. Oh, heavenly Father of the Most Highest. No, it doesn't work that way, Jack. You got to be faithful in what he gives you. And then pray. Because if you don't do that, listen, I'm going to just say it like it is. If you don't tithe, you have better luck praying to my dog, Bentley, than God. Go to my house and say, hey, Bentley, can you answer this prayer? Because you'll have a better chance of getting God's answer than praying to God without being faithful to his scripture. Why? Because the love of money owns you. You're its boy. You're its girl. I do a tap dance. Dun, 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 dun. Man, I'm preaching now, aren't I? See, God begins to give. He wants to give. Listen, he wants to give you. I'm trying to get you a blessing. Anybody want to be blessed? Yes. Anybody want to be rich? Yes. I know, I do. Come on now. Come on, Jack. Just raise your hand. Raise our feet. You know what I mean? I want them all. See, God begins to give, and he goes small things at first. Why? Because he, we're only capable of trust, being trusted by him with small things. But as he gives us small things, our confidence begins to grow. And the more confidence grows in him, the more he is able to supply. Thus, God can use all that you have, your wealth, to demonstrate his power to others. The more. That's how it happens, man. Hmm? Romans 10, 11 reads like this. Anyone who trusts him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. See, God will use your money to unite Christians through shared blessings. They bring them together to provide for those who lack. Now, there's a difference. Because there's some people, they say, oh, the poor people. The poor, the Bible will always be with us. But there's some people who are just lazy, don't want to work. You know those people? Let them starve. 
Because when they get hungry enough, they will go in my backyard and, and clean my backyard for a taco. But if, if, you're, if you're not letting them work for, for what they deserve, don't give them jack. I, you know, like guys in the street corners, they will work for food. They're lying. They just want to give you to give them money so they can get high. Tell them, no, go to the men's home and learn how to be obeyed, learn how to get a job, work up in the morning. Then I might help you. Are you with me? That's how it's done. Don't feel sorry for them because there's ample opportunity. Look, all those homeless people could be 300. And they don't have to be out there. If they wanted, we'd make a home for all of them. But they don't want to be in our home. They don't want to submit to authority. They don't want to worship God. All they want is people to feel sorry for them and to feed them. Don't do it. We're called to share blessings, yes, with a household of faith. Now, when there's people down in the luck, and people are down in the luck, but they don't want to be down there. They're willing to fight their way up. Those are the ones you go help. You give them the money. You help them find a job. Why? Because you just give them a little boost, they'll take care of themselves. I, I've seen it a hundred times. I, we got a guy in the home. We found him living on the streets. All he needed was one little help. He didn't want pity. He just wanted a little, little, little lift. And now, you know what? He's taking care of himself now. And I'm confident he's going to help take care of others. Because that's what we're called to do. That's who we are. That's what our wealth should do. That's the right attitude towards what you have. Hmm? That brings the unity. That, that's the heartbeat of victory arts. That's why God was called, or God called Pastor Sonny to do what he was doing, to do what he does. Because of the right attitude. See, God uses money to provide direction for our lives. God can quickly direct our lives through the abundance of money. Remember, it's easier to serve God with a lot of money. Or if you don't listen, he can direct your life through the lack of money. You ever notice when people are broken or hurting, oh, God, they get real holy. God, help me, God. Oh, please, God. Oh, God, if you just come on, God, please give me this job. You know, you ever hear they get all holy. When they got a nice paying job, God, you know, I want to go to church, but, you know, <laughs> you know, beautiful day. You know, me and the homies, you know, you know, go kick it, you know. You know, come on, God. Come on, quit kidding yourself. You don't know God. A person who knows God would never do that. They will put God first and then take care of their fun later. Never. Remember the heart issues? Thou shall have no other God before me. That was the, 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 the commandment that Jesus never mentioned. Why? Because he dealt with it in one area, his money. God will direct you. One way he guides you is by providing money. Another way he leads us by withholding money. Why? Because we are, people are money motivated. And, and the walk of faith is beyond that. I tell my wife, God's a trip with me. God says, I go, okay, God, that's what I want to do. He says, okay, go ahead, do it. I go, but you know I got no money. He goes, yeah, I know, don't worry about that. It's there. It's so where's it at? It's just there, just do it, do it in your heart. So I'm going to go do it. And I just jump out there. No, no money. Nada. Ni una tuna. I go out there. Boom. And, I, and my, my wife trips on me. She goes, well, you know, we, we ain't got no one. I know you, but you know. She goes, and she goes, I know. God said to step out and he's going to provide. Yeah, he always does. He always does. Like, how long have we been here? He always, doesn't he always provide? Yeah. Well, but it's, it takes time to get used to. So I just step out. And also when I get there, bam, it's waiting. Now, what if I would have waited for some people's God to let me go? Then, then God's move would never happen because he will have no other God before him. If I waited till I trusted the money, 
then why should God move? I don't need him. All I need is a bigger bank account. See, I don't want a bigger bank account. I want a bigger God. Some people, before they move, want a bigger bank account. Then they'll trust God. That's not trusting God. You have just broken the non-visible commandment. You have to trust God, and God will provide. This is getting deep right here, huh? I hope you're understanding where I'm, where I'm coming from. I hope you understand what the word of the Lord is speaking to your heart. Those who have a ear to hear, let them hear what the Spirit of God is speaking. Galatians 6, 9 confirms, uh, comforts of when he says, Do not lose heart in doing good, for in due time you will reap if you do not grow weary. Is it hard sometimes? Yes. Well, stepping out, it's hard. Yes, it's hard. But Pastor Sonia says, we do everything by what? Faith. 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 So who are you going to believe in? Who do you believe? See, God will direct you. See, Christians seeking God's will must first do one thing. Relinquish control of your life. Then you must truly seek God's direction. Because God can only use money to satisfy the needs of others. <laughs> See, why would God give money? See, you, God doesn't want to give you money just so you can have Versace sunglasses. Now, it'd be okay if you had Versace sunglasses, right? It's not a big deal. But do you think that's why he wants to give you money? God doesn't care about sunglasses. We do. Right? And it's not an issue to him. So long as when he begins to bless you, you're being a blessing to others. But some people, they don't do that. No, that's bless me, bless me. Oh, I want to do that. But man, I, I just seen those alligator boots, Luke Casey's, man. And they're really cheap. I've seen them online. They're $1,800. Great deal. Can I, come on, God. You know, I, I know we got to do this and we're trying to go to Asia. We're trying to go to Africa. But come on, could you see me in those Luke Casey's? Come on, come on, come on. It's comical. But it happens every single day in every single church in the United States. And then they say, oh, I can't afford to tithe. Well, better sell all those dresses that you can't fit in no more. You don't eat too many tacos. You can't fit in that no more. Sell them. <laughs> Give them to the Lord. <laughs> Hello. See, God wants to use you to satisfy his needs, his purpose. Christians who hoard and never plan for their financial lives cannot experience fulfillment. Huh? Here's a statement of many. How can I give? I have only enough to, to barely meet my needs now. You are who? You are the richest people in the world. And you're saying you only have enough to meet your needs? You, let me say it again. I'm talking... To the richest people in the world right now. And you barely have enough? Are you kidding me? No, no, no. It's your, your attitude and your focus is wrong. It's just wrong. We have more than enough. We just have to be better stewards of what we have. I don't think anybody can raise their hand and say they've never wasted any money. 
some of you wasted money on, on Friday after work and spent a couple hundred bucks doing a couple lines, you know, smoking a couple joints and drinking too expensive beer. And you know, we're happy with it. No, what's a big deal? Right? Oh, that's cool, huh? Add it up. You multimillionaire, you? Add it up. Come on, you know I'm talking. I'm not just talking. We can talk. I I know how to. I know how to blow it on an eight ball in one night. I I know how to do that. I do. Well, I I've been spun like a top. I've had my high beam so high, man. My, my, it felt like my eyebrows were touching the ceiling. Anybody been there? <laughs> okay. And that's cool, right? That's cool. Yeah, that's good. That's a lot of do re mi that you're just throwing down the tube. And now when I'm saying, be wise with what you have. Use it to honor God, and you watch God bless you. All of a sudden, like, man, wow. Oh, man. See, wow. Man, all they want is my money. No, man, I don't want money. That's not, I want your heart. I want your heart. I want you with us. I want you to be a part of my family, this family, till you die. I don't want you just your heart. I want your children's heart. I want your children. Ooh, I want your children. I want your grandbabies. I want all of them. I want their heart. I want their life. Why? Because we, I want to put them in the ministry. Now, if they're not called in the ministry, maybe they'll be a doctor. Well, that's cool, too. But I'm looking for some of your kids to preach the gospel. Yeah, I want that one. He's a wild one. Oh, that's the best kind, the wild, crazy one. Where's that wild, crazy kid? Why? Why? Because he's just like me. He'll be a good pastor. You know what I'm talking about? Well, we don't believe in, in EDD. What do they call that stuff? ADD. We don't believe in ADD. He's a boy. Boys are just crazy. Boys will be boys. Amen? Man, if, if they had ADD when I was growing up, I'd be all the alphabet. I'd be A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K. I mean, I'm, I was nuts. Huh? Anyway, let me get back over here. We have the right attitude. Are you with me? We have to right, have the right attitude. See, God will never use money in your life to corrupt you. God will never use money in our lives to build our ego. That's not God's plan. God will not use money to allow us to satisfy our oh, every woman desire. No. That's why we open that scripture, Matthew 6, as I close. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroy them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. And what do you say? Store your treasure in heaven. doesn't mean wait till you die. No, 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 no. That's not what he's saying. He's saying what you have, the value you have, creates a value on earth with a view of heaven. In other words, so what I'm doing is going to have eternal consequences. And because you do it on earth and it has eternal consequences, your treasures are stored where they need to be. Because everything else you leave here, guess who gets it? Your nephew, your children, your daughter. <laughs> it's gone. Ya estuvo con el grubo. Have the right attitude. So what kind of commitment do you need? Huh? See, it's a person, rather, it must be a personal obligation. In other words, don't look to the person next to you. Oh, are they doing it? No, don't worry about them. If they ain't doing it, they're going to hell. That's on them. What are you doing? It's a personal thing. People say, I have a personal relationship with Jesus. That's right. What are you doing about it? 
I'm just giving you his warning to your life. Are you heeding the warning? Or you're acting like this is not for me. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. This is for everybody in this room. Everybody in this room. I don't care if you've been here 20 years or you're just walking today and think I'm crazy. Well, let me let you in on something. I is. Amen? What kind of commitment do you need? It must be inspired by a conviction of the Holy Spirit. You must move in this area not because of what I've said, but because the Holy Spirit is convicting you and you know it to be true. When you know it to be true, you got to move on it. Don't play, act like, oh, no, 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 it's for tomorrow. No, it's for today. It's for right now. There's an urgency for... To God does not supply money to satisfy us. His promise is to meet our needs and provide an abundance so we can truly be a blessing to the world. To the world. When we accept this principle, God will multiply our abundance as well. I want to be a blessing to the world. I was talking to Jose this morning. I go, man, we're dealing with these issues. Jose said, man, you're dealing with this issue here, this issue, and all the, I go, yeah. And I'm sitting, I looked at him, I go, and I want to take the world for Jesus. When it happens, we will know there's a God in heaven. That's all I want to do. I want to reach people. I want to plant churches. I want to put schools in other countries. I want to see people that were just lost and impoverished work their way out of the gutter. I want to see them have babies. Children would rise up and say, I love Jesus. I want to do that all over the world. That's all I want to do. And I want a church of people that want the same. I want every bowed, every eye closed.